and welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, an inside look at what's going on in the life of Christchurch, New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin, and here on the show this month, I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. Plus our special guest for this month, Jenny Cropper. Hello. Welcome. In this edition of the show, we'll be talking all about The Hive, which is our new after-school club on Monday afternoons. Uh, We'll also talk about the Open the Book team that goes into Christchurch Primary School on Thursdays to lead assemblies. Um, We'll talk about the Winter Night Shelter that took place in February, and then we will look at what's coming up at Christchurch during March, but we'll also talk about the recent emphasis um, on people signing up to serve in, in various areas at Christchurch and what that was all about. But let's start by talking about The Hive, which meets on Monday mm-hmm. afternoons. And I keep calling it an after-school club, but that makes it sound like it's for little kids. Probably after-school uh, cafe is more appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so, Nathan, why did you start it and what's it all about? Okay, um, I mean, for years and years, I had been part of a, a thing that Oxygen run in Coomboy School called Room One. I think it's about seven seven or eight years ago it started and I'd been there for well from the first year through till about last year um had brilliant success uh lots of kind of meeting young people loads of the boys I work with at Urban Nights actually I, I met through Room One but Room One was running well is still running well and uh you know I I was going and I kind of felt like actually they could do it without me and it freed up a, a good chunk of my time to do something else and and so we, we came up with the idea of the hive you know it's a it's a different area the the town not aiming at that school particularly oxygen in fact were incredibly supportive of it and that didn't at all see it as any kind of threat to what they already did and and so the idea being that um not just for any one school, but for all of the schools getting out in New Malden. I see a lot of young people hanging around in the high street looking like they've got mm. nowhere to go. Mm. And, and the real, uh, the, the brilliant thing about Room 1 was there's a lot of kids who've got nowhere to go after school, or they do go home, but to an empty house. And we're on um, the flight path from Coombe Girls, aren't we? I absolutely. mean, Room 1 was, was uh, based it, at Coombe Boys, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Whereas we're as near as we can get to yeah. Coombe Girls, really, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we do get quite a lot of people coming by. So, so the idea is that, you know, kids have somewhere to come, to unwind a bit after school, to to play some games, to have some hot chocolate, eat some good cake, and and it's all fair trade as well, isn't it? It's yeah, important to say here it's a fair trade cafe, right down to the uh, to the materials that the team leaders' hoodies are made of <laughs> and the yeah. aprons. It's all fairly traded. Yeah, I noticed they've got branded aprons. I knew you had branded hoodies, but I didn't realise you had. Branded oh yeah, aprons. yeah. No, we've, it's the whole hog. We've got mugs. We're getting we've got we're getting own, jealous uh, about grapevine. They'll be wanting branded uh, <laughs> aprons now. We, yeah, no, we, did. We, we felt it was really important, actually, that not only did we say the chocolate was fair trade that, that goes into the cakes, but actually if we're going to do that, that, that we can say that across the board, that everything is fairly traded. It feels ridiculous to, to put on a group that's serving young people here in Britain at the cost of young people somewhere else in the world. So, yep. yeah, no, we, we felt like that was quite an important um, part of why we do it. And, and then, so then we've had people like Jenny uh, come and volunteer. And, and, and what I love about it, really, is that... Um, slightly differently to almost any of the groups that we've uh, run before. I tried right from the start to be really clear about what we wanted, what we were aiming for. And what we wanted is to have a really strong, really large leadership team. Quite There's about eight of us, nine of us there um, on a lot of weeks. And so the idea is that the kids, we don't just give them a space to come to and we supervise while they play 
with each other but actually that we are modeling community we are playing games together we're mm. drinking hot chocolate together we are um, being community and we are inviting the young people that come to join in with that um, rather than us just facilitate them um, meeting so who have you got on the team? So Jenny, I know you go. And Rod, You take yeah. your lovely husband, Rod. Well, I think he takes me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the door, aren't you, Jenny? Is well, it? You, I, yeah, you? Yes, I know. Well, there's a lot of trouble with my book. Right. Yes, and there's not neatness, you know, and there's a lot of competition. So you take yeah. a register. Do yeah. you count them all in so you can yeah, count them Yeah, well, all I out. write their names down, which is tricky for somebody who can't spell very well. <laughs> um, but then there is a competition to see if they can get to log themselves out. Ah. Yeah, there's a race yeah. to the door. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, Jenny, who else do we have there? We've got uh, David Taylor's there every week. Yeah, um, and w- I mean, we're supported hugely in the kitchen by absolutely. Jill every week. Oh, Jill Mascara. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Denise Rolf bakes cakes, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, and she comes as well. As and does, Elizabeth um, bakes. Elizabeth Hill bakes as oh. well. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think who, who um, anyone. Vicky I, um, Field. Vicky Field's yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got a brilliant team. Yeah. Elizabeth Hill's been mentioned, hasn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 She, yeah. she bakes yeah. Uh, most weeks, actually. And, uh, yeah. Well, Alison Hill was in between jobs. Mm. She was there as well. Uh, it does look a good atmosphere when I come in. You yeah. know, you're all sort I've of. I've learned to play games that I didn't know existed. So, what sort of ones, yeah. Jenny? Well, um, there's Dobble. I've never, I didn't, I've never even heard oh, of Dobble. Oh, that's a really quick one, isn't it? Oof, that can be quite yeah. stressful <laughs> if you're yeah. playing with someone who's competitive, Nathan. Absolutely. Actually, Nathan is ups, outstripped by um, Lucy. Yeah, um, some, yeah. Of the, some of the little girls are incredibly good at these yeah. games, so I just yeah. uh, try to stay Table quiet. tennis big part of it as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and again, that's what's really nice about that is, um, well, all the games really is just seeing how willing the young people are to kind of come and ask a leader, oh, do you want to come and play this? Mm-hmm. Or do, you know, it, it, I've been parts of groups where the young people expect the leaders to be there to kind of stand at the, at the side and mm-hmm. look over them. And you know, they, they, because it's been like that, from the first day they fully expect us to be uh, playing the games with them and and yeah and it was in the parish halls wasn't it and then we had the flood and it went over first temporarily to the lounge but now yeah. it stayed there is that right yeah no what worked so well in the lounge i think was i think general agree was that it's much better in the lounge yeah. because we had too many rooms when, yeah. when we were in the parish halls um and you felt that you know if you walked into a room and something had started, and I felt the young people felt that as well, yeah. that something started, it was like pushing in on something, yeah. whereas it's much more inclusive in the lounge. Mm. Yeah. And That's people can good. go from one thing to the other quite easily. And, and of course, be, the kitchen's a big advantage mm, as well. Absolutely, yeah. you've got the hatch to serve from. So you, you could be in the middle of a game, but you can still see who's in the kitchen and who's playing table tennis, and you're all mm. kind of feel like you're still there together. Mm. Yeah. But no, I, lo- I, I love it. It's, it's also a bit groups. more visible. Isn't it? To the, yeah, it's uh, with the big windows. Yeah, it? and yeah. Uh, you've got all those um, coon girls. I mean, you, it's not just coon girls. You do get some from, from Holy Cross. Holy Cross. Yeah, Holy Cross. We've, had, we've had one or two coon boys, yeah. but uh, not regularly. But yeah, no, and, and the, the incredible success of it, because really the idea is that this is a first contact. This is where we meet new people, where they... Um, first encounter Christchurch as being a place where they're welcome and it can be their church and and uh, and then with all these other groups that we always run but because they're in the lounge and there's all these posters with for all these kind of youth work groups I know Girls Night In has doubled in yeah, size doubled since, since the hive started yeah. um, which is brilliant it's really really nice yeah, so um, so that's been a great success already. And do any of them ever do sort of homework there or is it yeah. that they unwind and um, socialise more? They mainly 
choose not to but occasionally I mean Abby's been and done homework mm. I'm always quite impressed when they manage to get their homework out and Anna um, Roberts has uh, done a whole project when she was there one time doing made, made a little medieval village out of mm. um, drawings that oh, she'd wow. done so yeah no it, it, in fact that's quite I know David Taylor really enjoys um, seeing which homeworks they're doing what plays they're studying and mm. things like that and he's always asking them about their homework so mm. um, often they, they just need a break from school so they're uh, they know that the option's there for homework and things but. like the hot chocolate seem to be really popular and and the cakes mm. you know that the actually cakes. is a bit of a treat for them the yeah. cakes are definitely elizabeth's baking is, well, we is get, worth we, coming we for get what's, we get what's <laughs> left over at staff meetings yeah, you know uh, what talking the next about day them. so yeah absolutely. i know when the, when the kids are going back up and up i'm just thinking oh i really hope there's enough for tomorrow at staff meeting yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it usually is sometimes i even get i can't believe i'm telling you this because i don't want to start fights but sometimes i get a bit of the cake on a monday because Elizabeth brings it in in the morning when she comes in. Do you test work. it? Well, no, but every now and then Elizabeth will say, oh, I'm just going through to slice up the cake. Would you like me to arrange for a bit to fall off for you? What? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So sometimes I get it on Monday and Tuesday. Oh, there you go. Well, I get you it stay on Monday so slim? Well. Yeah, that's, no what I was, that's just what I was thinking. <laughs> um, well, we have talked about schools and after school. Um, but we're going to move on now to talk about during school. We've got a team um, from Christchurch because they happen during the week. I think probably lots of people. Would you would you say it's fair to say, Jen, that lots of people don't still don't know about Open the Book? I think a lot of the parents of the um, infants and juniors school know about it because it's reported in their school um, bulletin thing. Bulletin, yeah. uh, right? Yeah. But I think that for the main congregation, no. I mean, we have done a couple of promotions, mm. but um, I think we did really well when the speaker for Connections failed to turn up. Oh. And we yes, had to do an yeah. impromptu performance, um, and we recruited quite nicely out of that. Mm. Oh, that's um, good. But, but no, I think it is something that um, is organised by the Bible Society, who aim to get into as many schools as possible. The um, material we work from is Ofsted approved, mm. but they discovered that um, young people were getting to do their O levels and their A levels, and in most a lot of classic literature, there's biblical references that they had no understanding of. Yeah. So it's actively encouraged as an educational tool. Mm. Mm. But I was deeply sceptical that you know a, a group of shall we say elderly and quite often female people trying to be young men in their 30s or younger <laughs> would in, I want to you know, see this well, yeah. you've actually got quite a lot of diversity though because you've got yeah. Esther Ferguson yes. who's, who's, who's young. relatively yeah. young isn't yes. she and, and Roger Perrin isn't female at all no we, we are <laughs> we, we've got more men now and Rod's is, been I've seen, a, I've seen a photograph of Rod dressed up as a Roman soldier yes in yep. fact yes um, so we are expanding and we've got Stephen Moore and we are getting a larger group but, but of course it's availability yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, before we go on, we should say exactly what it is. So Open the Book goes into um, the infants and the junior school on a Thursday morning to take a whole assembly. So it's not just a skit. You know, you take a whole assembly, don't you? We, yes, basically we do. The, the school organises the um, worship songs. Yeah. But then we actually have an introduction. We have the drama. We then have a conclusion, and prayer time, which is optional. If, if the children wish to make the prayer their own, then they say amen at the end of it, but there's no pressure. I mean, obviously, being a church school, this is something mm. that the children... Yeah, they've got a school prayer. prayer yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. we, um, you know, but I mean, for other schools, it wouldn't, it could be 
you know, interdenominational or mm. even just basically Bible stories. Yep. Mm. And so that's what you teach them, isn't it? You teach them Bible stories by acting them out. Yes. Um, with brilliant props and costumes. Do you ever get the children involved in oh, acting with you? We hope to get the children involved in every production. Sometimes it's the whole school assembly because there'll be a crowd somewhere mm. and we'll have um, hold-up cards, which are a bit like a pantomime boo his mm. boo oh, yeah. yeah, but it's usually a little bit more um, biblical than that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's very much like that. Um, and sometimes it's selected children... Uh, we've got four children um, helping this week. Yes, yeah, so what story are you doing tomorrow? Jesus calling Peter and the other disciples. So it's the, the they're in small bursts, so it's the piece on the lake, if you like. Okay. Mm. When, you know, they've been fishing and not Call caught anything. anything. Yep. Yeah. So we've got double nets for that. And then we have the net full of fish. Excellent. Yes. Because so. that's the other thing. So you've got quite a big team of people who are involved in the acting and sort of putting on the assemblies but there's a lot of work that has to go on behind the scenes as well so yeah, you, you have to rehearse during the week but even you know even without the rehearsals you've got people who prepare um the props i know it's shirley does shirley a lot of the props, she? and wendy and shirley's husband brian have been brilliant with the props shirley yes as we speak making a second boat oh wow, oh, wow. <laughs> So we and, then, have, and you do the costumes, of course, don't uh, you? Yeah, largely. Other people have done costumes as well. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do quite a lot of the costumes. Um, I can't make anything other than... What's the trickiest you've made, Jenny? Oh, I don't know, really. I mean, I, I, we, the whale was interesting. It yeah, I've yet to see the whale. It challenged mm. our marriage a little <laughs> <laughs> in as much that we had to scale the whale up from an A4 size. No. Oh to the size of our dining room table because right. um, Elspeth Coke had to leap in, leap behind Oh, it. did Elspeth play the whale? No, Elspeth no, was Jonah. Jonah. Oh, she was Jonah, so Elspeth she was swallowed. Was yes, she was swallowed <laughs> by... And spat the out. Yes, and wow. we did it actually as a collective piece. You know, I don't know if anyone's heard Jonah the Groaner. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> have you not... I've heard of Jonah the Moaner, but that no, wasn't Jonah, just Jonah the Groaner, yeah. so right. it was, we sort of did it as a... A piece with uh, Captain Roger Perrin. Fantastic. Doesn't help. he normally play God, Roger? Well, quite a lot, actually. He's got, he's got the right yes, sort of yes, voice. Yes. Yes. The right sort of authority, isn't yes. he? Yes, he's mm. Jesus this week. Right. <laughs> it could get confusing for kids, and it's like, oh, look, mommy, there's God. No, 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 they're not. <laughs> Roger was picked out in the, um, in the doctor's surgery by a small child saying, mummy, mummy. There's God. God. Yeah, <laughs> that's a common, common problem for people taking assemblies. I mean, it, they, I mean, I, they absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, it has really taken uh, both the infants and juniors by storm. And when I went in and saw one of the open book assemblies, uh, as soon as the kids came in, they don't necessarily track what day of the week it necessarily is as they come in. So they, they suddenly saw the open book team and you could see them getting really excited about it. Um, and the teachers love it as well. It's a completely different mm. way of um, doing assemblies that they're not really used to. I mean, when we go in and do assemblies on the Wednesday, uh, quite often we might uh, include a bit of role play or drama in it. But to have the whole thing based around a drama is just, you know, fantastic. Mm. And to have such a big team as well, I'm sure. When when the staff team go in to do assemblies, they just go in on their own. And I think when teachers do assemblies, very often it's yeah. kind of just one or two at the front. So I'm sure it's very exciting for the children to have a whole crowd of adults up in front of them and adults in fancy dress as well. There's something yeah. very yeah. exciting and about it's, that. And, it's, and the costumes are really, really good. I mm. think the, the, the emphasis on the quality of the costumes is probably the thing that 
that makes it really sustainable. And this has had an effect on Christchurch as well because we've upped our quality, you know, the we've scrambled costumes. We've got a wardrobe costumes. department now. Yeah, yeah. A wardrobe department. And on, on, on Christmas, uh, at Christmas, you made a specialist star costume, didn't you, for Susanna? With uh, lights. Yeah. And, uh, What's your favourite costume you've made so far? My camels. Oh, really? Yeah, for the... Um, did, for th- did Rod get the hump while you no, were making it? No, no, no. <laughs> no, poor lamb. He's the poor soul that goes around picking up all the dressmaking pins <laughs> and moaning because the vacuum cleaner's got chugged up with, ah. the, with thread. Yeah, I know all about that when someone's yeah. making a quilt and it's mm-hmm. uh, oh, everywhere. <laughs> Is there the element, though? I mean, I saw the Horrible Histories presenters uh, interviewed not long ago. And uh, the person interviewing them said, you're obviously having tremendous fun doing this, you know, as adults getting to sort of do stuff that children more commonly do. And it strikes me that the Open the Book team is a bit like that, that actually you're all having a whale of a time, literally, when it comes to doing Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, is, 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 that, is that right, that you're having tremendous fun doing it, I as think, well as the kids enjoying it? I think it? it's incredibly rewarding, yeah. really. I mean, I enjoy making the costumes. I don't mind performing, right. but it's not my favouritest thing right. in the whole world. Yeah. And Rod likes a bit of performing. Yeah. Um, but... But it's really about the effect that it has on the kids. I was, I, I was sceptical, really sceptical, that a bunch of elderly people in, in, in of striped cotton <laughs> bed sheets <laughs> could have that impact on a generation that's so used to technology, yeah. all the special effects that you get from the cinema, and mm. you know that, that actually I was, you know, that they would get excited about a brazier with pound land candles in it mm. um making a fire for the you know it just is it, it was really yeah so yes it's been hugely rewarding and yes it's i mean it is fun it, it, it is fun yeah um mm. the I site so. of elspeth last week as um a poor elspeth in a week yeah yes <laughs> the, other, the other thing that's really impressed me is people that i wouldn't necessarily have guessed that will be their thing yeah so um valerie and Valerie and Elspeth. Yeah. I mean, the pair of them together are absolutely. They have the kids in stitches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and Valerie's chuckle. Yeah. You know, when she's being somebody wicked and evil, yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And I think there's a lot to be gained um, from being part of a team as well. So very often, I think it's easy to sign up for things at church because you think it would be a good thing to do. And then before you know it, suddenly you find yourself on a team full of new friends that you've made through doing it, the people who you didn't really know before. Um, And, you know, all working together for, for a common goal that can be really invigorating and that leads us on to our next subject which is um a, a few weeks ago on a sunday we had um we had a service that all all three services had the same sermon and it was about giving our service to god um and we had a whole new load of posters that went up um all about the different opportunities to serve in in lots of different areas across the church, and these posters have also gone up in the corridor behind the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you What did you call the corridor now? The corridor of calling. The corridor well, I of calling. Chesterton <laughs> World of Adventures has a special right. You know, people say, "Have you gone on the I don't know rattlesnake or whatever?" So what I say to people at Christchurch is, they're unsure of where they should fit in. I invite them to walk down the corridor of calling. <laughs> um, but there's. Uh, is it 13 different posters? Yeah, I think so. 12, 12 or 13? 12 or 13, So that's a lot like of different areas exhaustive. for people to, to choose from. And as you've said, there are, you know, there are yeah, more, there's more than that just Oh, there are more posters. areas. It was just the most obvious ones that we picked out. 
um, that we wanted to attract people to. Um, I mean, the whole the whole aim has been the whole of February has had a focus on giving. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, financial giving, but of course, giving goes beyond just um, uh, giving your money uh, to the church. Um, what we totally rely on at Christchurch, as we've just seen um, with the Open the Book um, team, is people giving their service. Um, so the idea is to show people the amount of areas that they could get stuck into and to encourage them to do so. Um, and there was a particularly good response on visiting. Mm. So we had around about 25 people sign up who were really enthusiastic about visiting people. And this will not, you know, there will be one or two exceptions to this, but a lot of uh, the people will be older people who don't uh, get out quite so much, who we've got younger people, particularly young mums, very, very enthusiastic uh, to visit. Mm. But there may also be people who are housebound for other reasons perhaps through illness or depression and um, it's really fantastic to have had such a good response but we had people signing up to join the gardening team people signing up to be involved in youth work I think last night you were doing Urban Nights we Nathan. had our first new, uh, yep. new recruit Rob Beston, yeah, Rob wasn't Beston came yep. down and it was through signing up on the, on the day Cat Beston popped into the office this morning and said that Rob is in agony today he's well, very yeah. sore <laughs> from playing all the yeah. football well he night. told me he asked me about it and he said he was more of a rugby person and I said we have to knock that out of you and uh, get no, you into football. I, I wasn't sure what to expect because he'd said that, but actually he was a perfectly good footballer. Oh, really? He was absolutely yep. fine. Yep. Yeah. He the must lads be really, really good at rugby then. Yep. <laughs> and there are other things as well. So um, we had people sign up to help with administration. Um, we had Grapevine people... Grapevine was one of them. Grapevine, yeah, uh, catering, and transport as well. Mm. So one of the people who uh, signed up... Um, you know, particularly realised that Thursday morning was when they're available. That's when people come to Women's Own. That's going to be really useful um, for people who need lifts to get to that. Mm. Um, so it was it was a really a really good thing to do. And um, you know, the book is not closed on people volunteering. Um, and we want to be a church where we encourage people more and more to find themselves through service because you know, as we were thinking about just a few moments ago. It's not just the most obvious recipients who gain when people offer their service. That's when people feel they belong to a church yeah. and get stuck in. Yeah. I mean, you joined this church in 2008 or something like that, 2007, Jenny? When I, we joined the year... Through that, Alpha, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. through Alpha, the, the year that you started Grapevine up. Cause that right, was 2007. The, yeah, because that was the first thing... Well, the, yeah. the, 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 I think it probably would be 2008 because you... Started it sort of in 2007, but we were part of the first yeah. first team. Yeah. I yeah. remember sitting around the Parker's um, yeah. kitchen table, and I thought, well, we can wash up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was no November 2007 we started Grapevine, but the interesting thing from my perspective is you and Rod, who coming to the church around about that time, have got so quickly sort of established at Christchurch, overwhelmingly through service. Yes, you're part of a home group, which has made a big mm. difference there, but you do scramblers, you do washing up for grapevine, uh, you do open the book, uh, you do the hive. I've probably missed out a few things as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is, is, is that the way people most obviously get stuck into a church and feel they belong through service, do you think? Well, when you, when you work with people, you get to know them. You know, mm. so they're not just somebody that you have a nodding acquaintance with. Mm. You're part of a team. You're sharing, um, achieving something. It's enormous amount of personal satisfaction. Mm. I mean, we signed out, if you like, for service and ended up getting more out of it than yeah. we've ever given. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah. you know, hugely, and you get to meet people. I mean, you love scramblers, don't you, on that table with your oh, yes. with your little children? <laughs> yes, my, my scramblers, yes. I, it's a great sadness to me when they turn five. I think I'm going to lose them now. <laughs> but, uh, yes, and it, I mean, it's a huge privilege as well, watching them develop. They come at three, mm. um, and they can barely hold a pencil. Yeah. They leave at five, and they're colouring in the lines, and... They get excited. It's probably the biggest change, actually, when yeah. you think about it, isn't yeah, it? Of, yeah. of all the groups, probably. Yeah. Scramblers, what they're like when yeah, they come. Yeah, three to five, is yeah. it? And they big, get yeah. excited as well. I did a, um, I, I did a, a puppet show, if you like, about um, John the Baptist in prison, and I got a cloth over it to keep the momentum Did going. you have his head on a platter? And, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Elizabeth would have shot me. That would have, been, my... that would have been a good thing for Brian to have no. to make. Yeah. <laughs> we, we wait till they get to explorers for heads oh, on platters. Oh, right, okay. And uh, anyway, so, and they, are we dressing up? They said, are we dressing up? Yeah. Aww. So they, they, and they, because the week before they'd all been dunked as John had baptized people. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the children really, even the small ones, are very keen on. I mean, well, look at the number of them that turn up in and yep. the costumes or Superman, regardless of what's going on. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of friends at different stages, and to be honest, me as well in, in the past. Um, who, when leaving a church, you know, and, and giving reasons why, it's often articulated in ways that the church isn't serving them. And and I, I agree, I think the number one way to, to belong in a church and to, you know, if you want to, to find your place in it is to serve. You know, I think that's how we connect that's how and there, there really is something for everyone you know I know not everybody would be happy to stand up in front of a school assembly not everybody um would do a puppet would, show or <laughs> or even knows anything about gardening you know some people might leave the church gardens in a bigger mess and you know but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think anyone in <laughs> myself it could well be me actually <laughs> but I think the great thing about being a part of a church that has so much going on is that there is always something that you would just be perfect Yep. Um, and so I would really encourage anybody who's listening who was at church on that Sunday and kind of thought about signing up for something and maybe didn't or yeah. they weren't sure what to sign up for do sign up it's never too late to sign up yeah. um, and there really is something for everyone and it doesn't have to be a big commitment either so you know there are you, there are some that Jen seems to be busy about four days a week um, <laughs> yep. but, but that's not a requirement at yeah. all there are something you know some of the Sunday school groups just need leaders who could maybe step in once a month um, so you know for an hour a month um, you could be a part of something really exciting. And it may be that, you know, we do have a lot of things that are, that are already there, ready to step into and volunteer with and help. But actually, you know, the, the church is uh, at its best when it, it identifies skills that other people have and we build things around that yep. as well. And we're not, you know, that's something we're all about as well. So, yep. uh, you know, if there's something that you're not quite sure that, you, you know, it's something that you enjoy doing or something that you're good at, that uh, you don't know quite how that's useful in church. You'd be surprised at some of the things, the, the ministries have been built around. So yeah, one of the things my dad says, um, uh, he was a vicar. He's he said to me, you know, if I had my time again, I'd make far more use of the skills that exist mm. within the congregation. Actually, yeah. build ministry far more out of them. You know, God's given people these gifts. What is he calling us to do with them? Mm. Which is like um, Rose Moody, who a few years ago, yep. it was actually, it was the first time I really met her, um, was when I think she approached you, Stephen, yeah, she and did. said, you know, she's, she's really good with drama. And was well, what, she said she was, what she said was, um, I'd like to get more stuck into this church. And I said, well, tell me what your gifts are. And, you know, there was a bit of uh, an embarrassed pause. And <laughs> she said, well, drama is, is one thing I 
you know, and I said, right, you can put on a play for our kids. Um, and and the kids absolutely loved it. I mean, there's some kids that only kind of joined around that time that are, that are still coming. So it was yeah. the teenagers, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, and Rose helped time, them to put on yeah. a fantastic pantomime. Yeah. Um, and they had costumes and they had a stage and, you know, they put on a show. But they were brilliant. They were really dedicated. Mm. They really looked forward to coming to the rehearsals. And it really um, helped the relationships between some mm. of the teenagers who, who got involved with it. Yeah. It was brilliant. I think she was a bit straight. I, I think with hindsight when I look back on that she did a great job I think what I should have done was taken a little bit longer to find someone who could be a stage manager someone who yes. could yeah. it turned yeah. into a very she, big job she rather pulled off a miracle pretty much by herself yeah um, and uh, but but it was fantastic and you know um, Roz is one of those who came forward to join the yes. Open the Book team which mm. is great and, and we're looking forward to, to, to having her as yeah. part of the team yeah, but those posters, you know, they're up in the church, they're down the corridor of calling. Um, and so people, the idea is that people will linger by them. And quite often people can hear an, an advert in church, but then it's gone, or even a focus that particular Sunday. By keeping those posters, which, which Nathan's produced up the whole time, what we're hoping is people might wander past them and think, oh, actually, that is something I could be involved mm. in or I could do. And um, there are, you know, sort of one-off things that happen, you know, sort of annually as well. So one of the things we haven't mentioned yet is the Night Shelter, yep. um, which has just finished. Um, it was uh, this year, it was just run during February yeah. um, on Thursday. So Thursday night through to Friday morning. Um, and uh, the Night Shelter involves a huge number of volunteers, you know, from getting the church ready to receive uh, the people who are coming to stay, getting food ready, befriending them. Um, we've even just just this Sunday, we had people taking home sleeping bags to wash them and bring them back. So, yeah. you know, all kinds of different mm. ways that you can get involved. But um, Stephen, tell us a bit about Night Shelter. It was quite different this year, wasn't well, it? Well, we thought it was going to be very different. Um, in the past, when we've done the Night Shelter, um, people have uh, come and we've done it from sort of for six weeks from November through to into December and seven churches have done it for six weeks taking a, uh, a different evening, a different night uh, each day of the week and then another block of seven churches have taken over for a further six weeks. This year it was slightly different because there's a permanent shelter down at St Peter's Norberton uh, the decision was taken to try to go for a slightly different clientele, people who were perhaps more entrenched uh, alcohol problems. And so one of the, the most obvious big difference this year was that people who came in to the shelter, and they all had to sort of be signed up by uh, Kingston Church's Action on Homelessness beforehand, but they could hand in alcohol, which if they needed it, because otherwise they'd get withdrawal, uh, would be given back to them when they when they wanted it and they go into an area that was enclosed just by themselves to to have the drink they needed rather than it being sort of any social drink or anything like that and so we therefore thought well this is going to be dealing with something that's a bit tougher than in yeah. the past yeah. and so really to you know see whether we were capable of doing this it was just run as a pilot for just four weeks in february and it went incredibly well i I think actually it was the it was the most successful of the shelters we've done, really? and partly yeah, partly and the atmosphere was terrific. We had a brilliant team week after week, just like Nathan was saying earlier about uh, the hive, packing it with a really strong and large team then creates an atmosphere which you welcome people into, and so it was a bit more like a sort of youth club almost for adults, um, and there were people doing jigsaw puzzles. Um, Shirley Deluce, you know, particularly enjoyed 
doing this 300-piece jigsaw puzzle that I grabbed from home and brought along. Uh, there were other games that people were doing in the past. When Camilla Pierce was here, we had a big card game involving everyone. Um, and the most fantastic meals. I mean, all the meals were brilliant. Marilyn Jarman cooked a meal last week that was so good. People were almost thinking it was sort of the best food they'd ever tasted. And it's just a wonderful atmosphere. And, um, and what happens is that these people who are, who are homeless uh, in many ways have had you know, rather disastrous things happen to them. They come and they get a great welcome. They get a warm place to sleep for the night. And they get a good meal. But more important than any of that, really, um, welcome into a, a really warm and friendly community. And I think quite often the biggest need people have is for some hope. Mm. Um, and uh, next year will undoubtedly... You know, do the shelter for longer, and um, you know, make it so tougher. So this trial, you know, this was a trial. Oh, really? so it, it was just, a trial. Yeah, we were. I mean, just like when we first started the shelter seven years ago, we were very unsure about whether we could do it because we thought none of us are real experts. Yeah. And I remember my younger brother, who has run homeless hostels, saying to me, "You shouldn't be insecure about this because there are things that a church can do that uh, the statutory agencies and even charities can't in the same mm. way." And I remember John, my brother, saying, you'll have an atmosphere there that will be, you know, sort of what churches can uniquely provide. Mm. And the people who came sort of loved it, really appreciated it. Um, in some ways, it works really well when you can't tell who's homeless and who's not. If mm. someone walked in, I don't think they would necessarily be able to tell instantly uh, who were there as guests and who were there as, as helpers. Um, so it was incredibly moving. And one of the most fantastic things about it was the diversity of people across Christchurch helping. So you had people like Frank Dobson from the 11 o'clock service. You had sort of young mums from the 9.30 service like Louisa Argent, young dad like Julian Steer. Uh, you had people from Grapevine. A number of Grapevine people came along to help and were often just totally brilliant at uh, relating to the guests that came. You had a teenager. You know, my daughter Rebecca was there. Um, you had a real wide diversity of people, all under the sort of leadership of Sarah Parker, who has got an astonishing skill for mm. running the shelter. Just an amazing... Yeah. I mean, the, Sarah's two most obvious um, skills, which you use. She's brilliant at catering, but also just simply fantastic at welcoming people in a, in a wonderfully sort of endearing way, but also being firm. So I sat on the door with Sarah, and when people came in, and we had to say, have you got any alcohol? And often they'd say no. And we'd say, well, would you mind me us looking in your bag? And they'd say, no, no, not at all. We'd open it and find a load of alcohol. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah was very good at saying, well, you know, we have to take that off you and label it and put it in the fridge. But if you, if you tell us when you want it back. And, you know, so a lot of uh, Sarah's confidence filters down to the team, really. Sarah's unflappable, really, isn't it? I think it's because she's got about 12 sons. Yeah, she's got four. <laughs> she's had um, a lot of training. She has, yeah. No, she's, she's got a remarkable talent yeah um, so it was great and you know right at the heart of what we should be doing as a church and and interestingly i think that for a lot of people that's what shows the most quickly that christianity is relevant um when they get involved in doing something like that similar with grapevine i'd say where people are involved in service and they see the difference it makes and nothing really demonstrates more clearly the truth of christianity than when people in a really dreadful situation are confronted with God's love and things start changing. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, we'll move on to our final subject um, now, which is a preview of what's coming up in the preaching programme for March. So everybody should have a copy of the preaching programme in front of them. Mm. Um, so obviously, March is kind of the last little bit of the build-up to Easter. Easter Day is the 27th of March, which is the, the final Sunday Very of March. Very early this year, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm. Um, and so uh, in order to lead up to that, at the 11 o'clock service and the 6.30 service, we will be looking at developing our spiritual disciplines through Lent. Um, so the first one is prayer, the second one is fasting, um, and the third one is fellowship. So those are three things that we'll be looking at across those services. And then at 9.30, um, the the um, overall um, sermon series is about how the God of the Bible works through uh, different people. So we, we're starting off this Sunday with mothers. Um, so how the God of the Bible works through mothers. That's for Mothering Sunday. Then the following week will be children. And after that, um, through friends. Um, so, Stephen, would you like to tell us a bit about how you came up with these um, well, sermons? Well, yeah, on the first one, yeah, Mothering Sunday is, is a major sort of um, occasion, really. Um, and what we try and make sure we do on Mothering Sunday is make it completely inclusive. I mean, everyone's had a mother, even if, sadly, some people's experiences won't be um, as, as, as positive. positive. No, yeah. not at all. And there's lots of complex things that we have to sort of, uh, you know, sort of respond to on Mothering Sunday. I think since we started doing Father's Day in June, it's made it a bit more equal. Yeah. And um, But anyway, I thought, you know, there are countless mothers in the Bible uh, who um, have various different roles. There are ones who do that more successfully than others. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, we could expand this into a series where we think about the way God works through children, Samuel. Um, there's other examples as well. Josiah uh, is a teenager when he uh, becomes king of Judah and is very significant. Uh, and then there are older friends as well. So that's the idea at 9.30, to sort of perhaps help open our eyes to the way in which God can both use us and perhaps use people to bless us or to bless the church or to bless the world that we might not necessarily um, be as open to as we should be. And then the 11 o'clock and 6.30 series um, is really with an emphasis on during Lent, Christians uh, seek to focus on deepening our relationship with God and thinking about three areas that perhaps we can think about more seriously uh, in order to do that. So prayer is something that Christians very often have thought about and are involved in. Fasting is an area that's really being rediscovered. Mm. Uh, the power that comes when you go without something as part of bringing um, yourself sort of closer before God in prayer. And, you know, most obviously going without uh, food um, for a day. Sometimes people give up alcohol for Lent. Or, um, and my experience of fasting is that while prayer always, I believe, changes something, I think fasting very often breaks something. If there's some some obstacle that really does seem completely uh, sort of insuperable, then quite often when Christians come together to, to go without uh, food for a day and to bring that matter before God, there's a sort of constancy about it. Uh, it's almost that you're, you're praying the whole time because you're mm. doing something which has got the purpose of bringing that before God. Yeah. Um, and then fellowship as well, I, I think is important for... I was going to say that was the one that um, surprised me, I guess, because I'd never thought of it as being a spiritual discipline, really. I don't know, it seems too fun. Yeah. Discipline sounds like it should be something that's not that fun. 
Um, and fellowship seems just a bit too, too fun to be yeah. counted in that. Well, I think quite often uh, we've got to be a bit more intentional about our fellowship. Yeah. Um, we've got to recognise that this is part of our worship of God and... Uh, within a church, it's easy for us to congregate with those people who are most similar to us or those people we get on best mm. with. And one of the things that Tom Collins, who's preaching in that sermon, might highlight, it's up to him what he, what he says, obviously, but he might challenge us to, for instance, be a bit more intentional in having fellowship with people within the church who are different from us. Yeah. You know, people who come from a different age group, um, different racial background, different culture. Um, as I said earlier, one of the best things about the night shelter was seeing people who perhaps in the outside world would would not have anything to do with each other because they wouldn't necessarily meet people of completely different ages and backgrounds uh, coming together in Christian service. And we need to do that in our fellowship as well. Mm. So a question on fasting. I was speaking about fasting um, with a friend of, um, the other week and um, she was asking me whether it counts if you're doing the 5-2 diet <laughs> and you, you weren't going to be eating that day anyway. She was asking me if I thought it would count as a, if you could call it kind of spiritual fasting as well. It's a really good question. I And I don't want to pretend to be any expert on it because until about five years ago, I don't think I'd really ever engaged with fasting and I found it incredibly powerful. I think personally that when you decide to fast with a specific aim in mind to bring something before God, that's what fasting is all about, I think. So when there's a particular person who is on your heart or a particular prayer request that you've got before God, I think and, and deciding very intentionally to fast with that in mind I think that's that's what fasting is all about. So without wanting to be, you know, too uh, sort of critical about, you know, anyone else's approach to fasting, I think mm. if we're mainly doing it for diet reasons, then that's the reason we're doing it, rather yes. than thinking, oh, and, you know. <laughs> but then, but I, I don't know. And fasting, I don't think, is ever explained in the Bible. Mm. You know, like, like, no, like, like prayer as well, yeah. we're just told to do it. But my experience is that it does hold real power. Mm. And particularly, as I said, to sort of break things that are seemingly unbreakable there was one person in the church who was praying for something for years and they'd almost given up hope of getting an answer to prayer on this and we agreed to fast and and, and pray about it for a day and this thing changed and you know you could have knocked both of us over with a feather really mm. and it could be coincidence but that's often the case isn't it mm. you know yeah uh, in our in our journey of faith and i think there is um, something really crucial that we've got to rediscover about fasting. I think particularly also because I think it helps us. You know, we're people who are very, uh, often we don't w want for much and very few of us know what it's like to feel hungry. Mm. And I think what it does is remind us that we're given these things by God uh, to enjoy and they're good, but they can become idols as well. Yeah. So I think fasting has a really sort of helpful role in reminding us that all created things are good but if we place them above god they become idols if we place them below god then they become means of his blessing and i think fasting can can help reorientate us on that as well yeah mm. and then um obviously at the end of the month at the end of march we have got easter so we've got good friday two good friday services yep short one at nine thirty because we have the the walk of witness from the urc down to the methodist church so we just have a half hour service at nine thirty on good friday and then we have one hour at the cross which starts at two o'clock and is a quieter service for 
meditation and reflection. And then we have what's one of my favourite services of the year, uh, which is the, the United Service on Easter Day. Yeah. And Jenny, I'll be coming to you for costumes. Right. <laughs> yep. Great. And then in the evening on Easter Day, we've got Carolyn um, yep. speaking on Easter as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, lots, lots coming up. But I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this month on Look Who's Talking. But do remember that for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website, ccnm.org. Um, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Malden. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. That's at CCNM News. Um, also, if you had thought about signing up um, to offer to volunteer or to serve in an area of Christchurch and you kind of weren't really sure and you're worried you might have missed the boat, you definitely haven't. Um, you can email me directly on office at ccnm.org. Um, let me know what you're interested in getting involved in and I can pass you on to the right person. Uh, so don't worry you haven't missed out but that's all from us see you next month Music